This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, guys, welcome back. Thank you so much for listening to my talk, 1071. It's Donna and Steve, uh, Dawn McLean, also here uh, sharing our thoughts, trying to keep you up to date on what's happening in the cities right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a really, really difficult three or four days here. Just been a tough week in the Twin Cities. Um, and so the, the plan right now is we are hoping to hear from Governor Tim Walls at 1030. Right. Um, and that's when his press conference has been pushed back to. It was going to be at 10 o'clock. Um, so get some sort of a, an update. In ter- I saw a lot of these tweets, justified or not, just just telling you what people were saying. A lot of folks saying, where is our leadership right now in the midst of, you know, while I kept seeing the phrases, St. Paul is burning, Minneapolis is burning, where is, where is our leadership right now? Um, and so we were, it, it'll be interesting to hear from Governor Walls and what he has to say. I do believe that Mayor Jacob Fry spoke last night at, I think, about 1.40 mm-hmm. a.m. or something yeah. like that. It was in the middle of the night that he was speaking. Um, and I doubt that St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter got any sleep last night either. I mean, just really, really crazy. Um, with that, what we can um, do, are, are they still on live on 5 Eyewitness News, Don? We have uh, Megan Newquist and Matt Belanger um, talking about, we just had the Reverend Jesse Jackson on um, mm. speaking. Um, and I, I can always go there if you want to, if we want to pull that up. Yeah, why don't we, let's just, I, let's just tap in. I mean, I don't have a TV in this room or I'd be listening yeah, to it during the sure. break. Let's just hear a couple let's minutes of, of what's going on. Five sure. eyewitnesses. Our household names in the black community, uh, two men who have the utmost respect of the entire uh, bar and who want to speak with you about the needs of th- these families for justice for themselves and for others. You will first hear uh, from Lee Merritt, uh, who will uh, open up this press conference with his own statement, and then we will hear from Benjamin Crump. And I will be helping uh, them and you uh, get as much information out as possible from these families. Lee Merritt. Dan, thank you so much for that introduction. I want to thank the team over at Rock for helping us pull off this broadcast. Um, and, I, and I want to thank all, of the, all of the, the community members who have invested in the outcomes of these cases who have, who have dedicated not only their time and energy, resources and prayers, uh, but many people in Minneapolis, uh, where I am now, have put their life on the line uh, to demand justice for, for George Floyd, for Ahmaud Arbery, and for Breonna Taylor all over the country. Um, I, I sit here in my representative capacity for these families, and I try my best to channel the energy, the message uh, that these families would like to communicate to the world. Um, it's not about myself or Benjamin Crump 
or any of the many grassroots organizations or uh, corporations that have gotten behind the cause for justice, but the experience of heartbroken families. Ahmaud Arbery was murdered by three vigilantes in broad daylight on Sunday afternoon on February 20, 23rd. For almost three months, no arrests were made as law enforcement and local DAs scrambled to justify this murder. Ahmad's mother, Wanda Cooper, was told by police her son was killed by a homeowner during the course of a burglary. She rejected that claim and worked tirelessly to expose what really happened to her son, to the world. She engaged civil rights attorneys, myself, Ben Crump, and others to help get justice for her family. And to date, uh, the three men that chased down her son were murder uh, and murdered him are behind bars. Uh, there's a federal investigation into the law enforcement community that denied and delayed her justice. And the DOJ, uh, via the U.S. Attorney's Office, has promised additional actions in the near future. In the national discussion, Ms. Cooper is often asked, uh, along with Marcus Arbery, they're often asked if, if they feel like justice is being served for their family. Or at least are we on the right path to justice? And the answer is an emphatic no. The family of Ahmaud Arbery cannot claim to be receiving justice when they have to squeeze droplets of justice from what appears to be a dry well. Mm. When the justice that they long for, as Dr. King says, it doesn't come rolling down like a mighty water. Instead, we get trickles of justice and they have to sit back and idly buy and, and compete for pressure with the families of Breonna Taylor and the families of George Floyd and the families of so many others who have been denied justice system systematically by a system that it has proven either incompetent or unwilling to provide justice to the black community. We need a national response. Uh, ben Crump and I, Chris Stewart, uh, Daryl Washington, other civil rights attorneys around the country, we can no longer do this on a case by case basis. Mm. Uh, we cannot call and galvanize the community and demand that they focus their energy on one incident of injustice when we know that there are over, on average, a thousand police officer involved shootings a year, uh, that we live in the most incarcerated nation on planet Earth, and that in, in the process of maintaining that system of mass incarceration, we empower our law enforcement officers to go in and brutalize and focus and over-police black and brown communities. Uh, we are taking these families uh, in a representative form for the thousands of families over the uh, over the years who have been brutalized, who have been marginalized, who, who voices have been muted by our, our criminal justice system. We are taking them to Capitol Hill and we are demanding that our lawmakers and, and congressional decision makers craft legislation specifically designed to deal with the crisis. And I, I repeat the crisis of lack of accountability and excessive force in American policing. Um, in addition to this, this congressional um, action, we're asking grassroots organizers and community members from all over the country to come together in a task force. As we begin to map out our own solutions, uh, we will be asking for economic boycotts and sanctions in, in these communities where these atrocities continue to occur. So we are uh, we were listening to federal civil rights attorney Lee Merritt calling for a national response 
uh, to uh, the crisis that we're seeing right here in our city. I want to yeah. apologize. I had my microphone on that whole time. Oh, we didn't hear you. <laughs> oh, okay. well, that's Sorry, okay. Donna's trying to, to fully... communicate. You know, just so you guys know, Steve and Donna can't hear each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, can we can't only separately. when we're on the air. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. so sorry about that, guys. Oh no, the, oh, no you helped sorry. me solve the problem. So I was only okay. able to come into that audio on the back half. But one of the things that he had mentioned um, is, is that this is, you know, he's saying that we can't just do this on an individual basis, but right. like now we just have to address this. As a whole, because it can't be one little thing happen. One, excuse yeah, me, I don't like mean to say little thing. Yeah, it's like little paper cuts, you know, here and there exactly. and there and there. It can't be a flare-up that happens in this state, and then it slowly goes down, and then another flare-up that happens right. in another it's state. It's a pandemic. It's, it's like, yeah, they have to say, well, wait a minute, this is... This is happening everywhere, and just because if they, if the the ones that grab headlines happen months apart or or whatever the time might be, it doesn't make them less significant. We need to bring them all together and say this is a problem. Yes. This is a widespread uh, problem of injustice. Absolutely. I'm telling you, Steve. We'll uh, we'll get to the governor's uh, press conference coming up at 1030 in case you missed that that has been postponed. Uh, we had said at the beginning of the show that we would get to it at 10. But as you know, things change. They tend to change. Um, yeah, this is uh, one of those things where we're going to be a little clumsy. It's hard to find words, you know. Right. It really is at well, times I, like this. I heard Chris Hagert, um a little bit during the the commercial break when he was talking and he's he was standing in front of a sort of a smoldering building and um and was just saying i think what a lot of people feel which is it starts with the heartbreak as we mentioned of the um the unlawful killing of george floyd and from that there are people that are there's one side of the conversation that says this is shouldn't be it shouldn't and it should not be lasting this long there shouldn't be this many instances of it and then as he stood in front of a essentially burned down building burned to the ground he said then there are other folks there who are looking and saying but this isn't how we can get the point across is by then taking down all of these businesses and burning parts of st paul and minneapolis right and so you have these two things that are that are trying to come together um and and then it just gives people different feelings of different things as you know many um business owners are waking up to their businesses are no more the buildings are are done you know right and And you're hurting your own community right and but but and again you know what you don't want to discredit is the the long-term built-up frustration and heartbreak they don't feel like they have a voice yeah right no one's listening yeah yeah, it's there's there there seem to be no good solutions right now. Um, right? I mean, it's just yeah. like any way you turn, it's like, well, that's not good, and that's not good, and that's not good. I heard Don. Um, I heard you read a uh, quote from Martin Luther King Jr. this morning. I wonder if we can revisit that sure. when we come back. Um, everybody should hear this. We'll have it for you coming up next on my talk. Hey, good morning. Welcome back. You're listening to the Donna and Steve show on my talk, 1071, everything entertainment. Donna Valentine, Steve Patterson, producer Dawn Hello. McLean also here. Um, I heard Dawn um, read a Martin Luther King Jr. quote this morning, and it just hmm. um, 
it was beautiful and it makes so much sense and uh it's still relevant today and um we thought it would be cool if you read it again. Yes. Hmm. Uh, I got this from a listener today. Um, this is Martin Luther King Jr. on April 14, 1967. I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it is it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. Hmm. And so, in a real sense, our nation's Summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these reoccurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. Hmm. Well, that's, um, that's appropriate. And well in 1967, and right? Yeah. And look at us today. Speaking today, look where we are. Nowhere. Yeah. And that's why that that the the time of when that happened, when when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, said that. So what is that? Fifty years ago? I'm doing math. Something like that. More than fifty years ago. Ooh, um, yeah. That gives a different sort ago. of a fifty-three years ago. So that different layer of context as to why we why america which we are experiencing central in the cities feels like it's at this tipping point because there is uh because the african-american community has been told for years decades centuries uh now we will get to equality now we have made progress but then again and we say this as three white people Oh, Steve, you're cutting out. Is he out? Um, mm. hmm. It seems like it. Oh, there's just oh, a lot of reason there you to are. just. Steve, be, you had cut you, you cut out. No, oh, I'm out sorry. I'm so, I have. I should mention. I have uh, a whole team of NASA engineers <laughs> at my house right now. Oh, you do. Um, who are doing all sorts of things upstairs and downstairs. And Jake from uh, Audio Engineering. He- Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. He is, he's here, so there are all sorts of weird things that are happening. So hopefully he's that's there. The last time you hear that. He's there. Jake is here. <laughs> I, I was very confused. Uh, okay, I thought he was in the building talking uh, to you. Through sorry. Your I was like, piece. how is this happening? It was a weird <laughs> phenomenon I just experienced. But sorry, I'm sorry, go on. You said we are three white people saying this. Yeah, we're three white people, you know, saying this. But like, But you could understand when you hear those words from Dr. Martin Luther King that happened 53 years ago and then saying how the plight has worsened in the past few years and then here we are and it's 2020 and if... We don't know what it's like to be black in America, but I, I, I would have reason to believe that they would not look around and think, oh, 53 years ago, look at all the progress that mm-hmm. we've made. And so mm-hmm. when you put that time on it, right. it, it sort of it gives you another layer of perhaps understanding and empathy and context to why people, whether or not you agree with how it is being exercised, why people feel just this of like something's got to give yeah yeah i was just reading what one of um the organizers of the protest had said and and she said you know we have to give young people the space to be angry they have every right to be angry because they've experienced trauma seeing your friends your families even yourself harassed by the police and killed by the police like seeing that video is traumatic they don't know what Mm -hmm. to do with that well, I, I, I get that. I, I totally get that. And then on the other side of it, um, you know, on the other side of it, you have police officers and law enforcement who is uh, who are going out in the midst of these situations and trying to crowd control um, like any like any group anywhere. Pick a however you're classifying a group. Um, it's not all good and it's not all bad. And so. You know, we know sort of through a family friend of, of someone who is working in law enforcement right now and just is working, uh, will do a 12-hour shift and then is getting hit with things. And, and like knowing this person, you know that they mm-hmm. are in that line of work to truly protect and serve. Right. Um, and so then you you also think of them and because they, they have families as well. And when mom or dad is going to work and they're going right into a situation like that, that's also a scary thing for families of law enforcement. Right. Um, for those who are the good ones, the good cops, and are really trying to better this place that we call home. Um, and so th- th- there's a lot of different ways to look at this and, uh, and a lot of... And again, I say it, bears repeating, in case you're joining us in progress, when I say there are a lot of different ways to look at it, it always starts with the heartbreak of the passing of George Floyd. Um, and But now there are tentacles, so to speak, and you're seeing, oh, and it affects this, and it affects this, and what about these folks? And Right. It's, uh, it's difficult. It's very difficult. difficult. You know, um, African Americans account for, I believe it's like 20% of Minneapolis population, I believe. Um and you get it because they're more likely to be pulled over, more likely to be arrested, more likely to have force used against them than white people. And they account for like more than 60 percent of the victims of uh, Minneapolis police shootings in the past 10 years. Sixty percent. Hmm. 
I get it. I I understand where the outrage and and the the frustration comes from. It's just uh, and I understand what you're saying, Steve. I mean, there has to be there has to be enforcement of the law, you know, and trying to protect people during these uh these protests and what has become riots. It just we're all yeah. we're all feeling like everything that can be felt right now. It's just a difficult I, I'm yeah, supposed like, to be mentally. I'm about to put up a I, I've edited down a conversation we had with Miss Shannon Paul this morning. Yes. Um that Who I is feel raising like was a really good conversation. She's African American. You probably hear her on the weekends here and filling in when when um when our my talk regular hosts are on vacation and i was she said some things that really opened my eyes and it was heartbreaking and and like steve you said it, it's we we can feel as much as we can feel but we aren't in the bodies of african american right. people and so it's so good to hear from her and her perspective absolutely so i invite you to listen to that because you might hear something that you didn't know or acknowledge before I would love you to. know what? Too? Why don't we play that at a? Uh, yeah. How about uh, now? We might hear from the governor at ten thirty. Yeah. So again, it's a press conference, so the timing is flexible. But um, you know, perhaps after we hear from the governor, how about sometime in the eleven o'clock hour? We'll yeah. figure out when. But uh, we'll also replay that so um, so that folks can hear because I that's a that's a beneficial perspective for yes. us to to give give a microphone to absolutely. Definitely. We just got a, a an email with a um, Nelson Mandela quote. You know, we had just earlier, uh, was, mm-hmm. Dawn was reading a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. from like 53 years ago. Um, this is from Lee, who emailed us and she said, this is a quote from Nelson Mandela. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate and if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love, for love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Mm. It's good to remember that and try to practice that. And, you know, we're talking about kids, and if they're exposed to this, some kids can't help but be exposed to it because they're living it right, right now and in the city and seeing all of this right outside their front doors. So thank you for sending that, Lee. We appreciate it. Uh, We're going to see if the governor's press conference is going to happen at 1030 or not. If it doesn't, we're still open to taking your calls, your emails, if you would like to just express yourself. 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Five Eyewitness News forecast today, breezy and cooler, partly to mostly sunny, a high of 70 degrees uh, for tomorrow, mostly sunny, pleasantly cool, a high of 72. That's brought to you by uh, YMCA Twin Cities. And we are back. Donna and Steve, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, I just want to see if there's anything we have to remind our listeners about. There's always some stuff. Yes. I know something. What do you know, Steve? Uh, what is today's date? Today May is the 29th. 29th. All right, so we have a couple more days left in May. So I will remind you that if you were hoping to cash in on any of our listener rewards, like the Summer Lakes Beverage Package Prize Pack, which nice. includes a Yeti cooler stocked with their bootleg and Luna Paloma mixes, 
you got to get in our listener rewards and register this month because those will change come June 1st. We also have gift cards to Bachman's, Lunds, and Byerly's, and more. So get the app if you don't already have it. You can stream online as well to get registered at mytalk1071.com. Thank you, Steve. That's exactly what I was looking for. You got it, buddy. <laughs> I couldn't remember which one you read, so I was like, I see him, but... Guys, do you want I'm to say kinda... goodbye to Jake? Uh, Jake, 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 I didn't Jake's know you leaving. were at Steve's house. I was confused. Did you tell him that? I... Don did not know that you were here. She so it was like the Wizard of Oz. from the, the, the station somewhere else. <laughs> Oh, so, should have let her believe it. I know, I should have. <laughs> no, Jake's here it, with a mask on and being all, oh. all very protocol sensitive and everything. So thank did you, he, Jake. Did he fix things? That's a personal oh, question. A, he did, yes. He fixed things. Okay. We do have the uh, press conference coming through here. From Governor Waltz. We'll just go to it live. All right, let's listen into that. By people sworn to protect him, his community, our state, Philando Castile, silenced, unheard, so many other friends, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, senselessly died in our street. Their voices went unheard, and now generations of pain is manifesting itself in front of the world. And the world is watching. One of the first people I called after seeing the, the video was Valerie Castillo, Philando's mother. We've become friends since, since the killing of Philando. And for those watching today who aren't familiar, Philando died uh, in front of his loved one and his child and uh, left them behind and left behind a grieving mother who has become an advocate for justice, an advocate for reform, but more importantly, an advocate for kindness and decency. And when I talked to Valerie, she said, first and foremost, seek justice, seek fairness, and reach out and show kindness. What the world saw last night was not that. What the world has witnessed since the killing of George Floyd on Monday has been a visceral pain, a community trying to understand who we are and where we go from here. I'm joined today by Attorney General Ellison, by Major General John Jensen, the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Colonel Langer of the Minnesota State Patrol and Commissioner John Harrington. I spoke this morning with Reverend Jackson, who much like Valerie, said a prayer for our state, said a prayer for over those grieving, said a prayer for peace, and then also said something very important. This is the moment where we start, but every time we get to this place, we never start the process to make sure it doesn't happen again. And that commitment amongst leaders in our community, watching this happen across the United States, watching another name be added, and for those of us who are old enough to Rodney King, to Mike Brown, and unfortunately now we've added George Floyd. The situation on the ground doesn't allow us at this time to tackle those issues. The very assets in our community, our libraries, our businesses, those nonprofits and government entities, our light rail system, are all shut down from this. We have to restore order to our society before we can start addressing the issues, before we turn back to where we should be spending our energy, making sure that justice is served 
justice is served swiftly and that we learn something from what George Floyd gave on Monday. Now I want to just be very clear and I'm going to have the team talk about what transitioned last night when the state assumed responsibility over the security near the third precinct where the state secured critical assets and where the plan going forward to ensure that tonight our buildings do not burn, our citizens are secure, and that space that we're going to create allows us to get back to the conversation of serving justice and making sure that we're not adding to that list of unheard names. And I want to be very clear and speak to that community. The very tools that we need to use to get control, to make sure that buildings aren't burned and the rule of law collapses, are those very institutional tools that have led to that grief and pain. I understand clearly there is no trust in many of our communities. And the differentiation between the Minneapolis Police Department that we witnessed losing trust of those they're there to serve is very difficult for people to make for those standing up here with me. I understand that. And I will not patronize you as a white man without living those, those lived experiences of how very difficult that is. But I'm asking you to help us. Help us use humane way to get the streets to a place where we can restore the justice so that those that are expressing rage and anger and demanding justice are heard. Not those who throw firebombs into businesses that our communities of colors have worked so hard to build back up areas that were blighted at one time and are thriving because of their entrepreneurship and their hard work. A library in an area where our children, as we know, are institutionally put behind and the achievement gap for our communities of color is a shame on this state that we continue to admire by talking about and don't repair it. And that tool to help with that burned last night. So I want to just call out very, very clearly, as we put a presence on the street to restore order, it is to open that space to seek justice and heal what happened. I will not in any way uh, not acknowledge that there's going to be that pain, but my first and foremost responsibility to the state of Minnesota is the safety and security of all citizens. We cannot have the looting and the recklessness that went on. We cannot have it because we can't function as a society. And I refuse to have it take away the attention of the stain that we need to be working on is what happened with those fundamental institutional racism that allows a man to be held down in broad daylight. And thank God a young person had a camera to video it because there's not a person here or listening today that wonders how many times that camera's not there. Mm. These are tough questions. These are things that have been brewing in this country for 400 years. We have people out there putting themselves on the line to try and put out fires in our firefighters that are under attack. Those are the things I'm asking you. Help me restore that order. We will do that under state leadership and state guidance. You will hear directly from them of once that decision was made around 12.15 last night and that first mission was executed around 3.45 at the third precinct, we will see a difference. So I'm asking you and you'll hear from them 
to talk about this. I also want to think about what happens when we don't have that. People who are concerned about that police presence of an overly armed camp in their neighborhoods that is not seen in communities where children of people who look like me run to the police, others have to run from. So I understand that that's out there. But last night I got a call from a friend and a dedicated public servant, Senator Torres Ray called in her district, and it was on fire. And there weren't any police there, there weren't any firefighters. There was no social control, and her constituents were locked in their house wondering what they were going to do. That is an abject failure that cannot happen. We must restore that order to that. Senator Torres Ray has fought her whole life on these issues of inequities and making sure that people's voices are lifted up. But what she understands is none of us can lift those voices. None of us can tackle these problems if anarchy reigns on the street. I also want to address an issue, and this one is on me, and, and I will own it. Uh, earlier this morning when this mission was carried out under my direction to resecure the 3rd Precinct, to do so in a manner which I am proud of how it was executed by this team, no injuries and no loss of life, a reestablishment to put the fires out for those businesses, a CNN reporter was a crew was uh, arrested by the state patrol. A few minutes after hearing that, I was on a call with CNN President Jeff Zucker, who demanded to know what happened. Uh, I take full responsibility. There is absolutely no reason something like this should happen. Calls were made immediately. This is a very public apology to that team. It should not happen. And I want to be clear for those of you listening. I think our Minnesota's reporters know this. Um, I am a teacher by trade, and I have spent my time as governor highlighting the need to be as transparent as possible and have the press here. I failed you last night in that. And it does not escape me that we are here on the catalyst that lit this spark by what happened with a police detainment of George Floyd and the idea that a reporter would have been taken while another police action was in play is inexcusable. So to CNN, to the CNN team, to the journalists here, um, this is about having a plan and that's what these folks are gonna talk about. This is about having an aggressive approach to understanding what the community needs to not coming in heavy-handed with them, but to create space where the story can be told. In a situation like this, even if you're clearing an area, we have got to ensure that there is a safe spot for journalism to tell the story. There's Governor Waltz um, talking about generations of pain now manifesting itself in front of the world. Uh, he reminded us of Philando Steele's killing uh, he talked about figuring out where we go from here. Uh, he talked about Jesse Jackson making sure this never happens again. He referenced Rodney King, uh, who was yeah. violently beaten by the LAPD um, back in the 80s. Uh, essentially, Governor Walt is asking for the public's help in restoring order. He talked about understanding there's no trust in our communities. Uh, but we need to restore justice. He wants to make sure we aren't damaging businesses that uh, your very community members spent years to build. Um, right. And about the safety of all citizens. Um, mm -hmm. The people who are trying to help are under attack. And uh, he's pleading for help in restoration of order.
Yeah, yeah, you could tell that was a that was an urgent tone that you heard in his voice. Absolutely. Um, so he'll he'll continue to speak there, and if there's um, if there's more, we need we'll to have pass to pass on to you and share with you. We'll be sure to let you know. Absolutely. That. Um, I I believe he's going to have other people speaking. If it's something that we think is uh, something that we can go live to, we'll do that when we come back. Okay, so stay with us. You're listening to my talk 107.1. Thank you for listening to my talk 1071 everything entertainment with Donna and Steve um Dawn McLean also uh here with us holding down the fort making sure things run properly around here um Steve is back at home how you back doing at home doing fine um it's just this is just a it's a crappy day it's a very upsetting and, um, day yeah and it's yeah it's just it's just very very um it's difficult and so we'll say it again it it is all first and foremost starts with the um injustice surrounding the death of george floyd um at the you know at the knee of a minneapolis police officer uh, and that's just so heartbreaking and it is representative of a couple voices that we've heard from today are pointing to that this is representative of this isn't an isolated incident. Um, and Governor Walls, who we who is uh, doing a press conference right now, and we just listened into. Yeah, I believe Keith Ellison is was, speaking right now. OK, and, and Governor Walls's point was, um, you know, thank God that there was a camera there. Because then you think of all the other times that there wasn't a camera there to capture the injustice so that the people, uh, so that we are all hoping justice can be served and those um, that need to be held accountable are held accountable. And so it starts with that. And then there's all these, and he's he's talking about, you know, um, watching the the cities burn and businesses crumble and, um, and that we, you know, that, that can't continue um, because it'll just be so destructive to the city and and Governor Walls, I believe, said, and he he said, I refuse to let that shift the attention away from the event of George Floyd's death and making sure that we get justice there. And um, so it's yeah, there's there's just a lot. And by the way, if you're listening and thinking they sound like they don't know how to talk their way through um, something like this, we don't. We are entertainment show hosts who are now just stopping because there is a heartbreaking situation that has. Um, started right here at home for all of us and it's it's really really um difficult and we also are mindful of the fact that we are three white people who have not lived the experience and governor wall said this as well he said i'm there's no pretense here i'm a white guy who doesn't know what it's like to live as a black person and and that bears repeating because we we don't fully We'll, we'll never fully know that and and what that's like to to grow up and then to see this sort of thing happen and then have to process that and explain it to your children and th- that's really really brutal and so uh, we're trying to open our eyes empathetically and to to learn and to we know that we have stuff to learn and we we need to grow in our own empathy for our um, for our neighbors. You know, we 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 do, and so it's it's absolutely it's, it's difficult. Yeah, sorry, I uh, I was looking at the press conference while you were uh, we, speaking, Steve. Is, you said it's Attorney General Keith Ellison is at the mic right now. I believe so. 
I can't see that far. Can there we go. Safe again. All right, let's listen. But I want to be clear that if the message was this situation with Mr. Floyd is intolerable, absolutely unacceptable, and must change, that message has been sent and received as well. And the governor, myself, the lieutenant governor, all of us are committed to that long-term change. And I can tell you that I spoke with many legislators who feel the exact same way. People in the philanthropic community feel the exact same way. So I think we're gonna do some real changing. We're not just gonna fix the windows and sweep up the glass. We're gonna fix the broken, shattered society that leaves so many people behind based on their historical legacy of being in bondage and servitude, then second-class citizenship, and now fraught with disparities from everything from incarceration to housing to wages to everything else. And so with that, I want to uh, hand it over to um, General Jensen, com uh, General, Major General Jensen, who will uh, uh, further elaborate. Thank you very much. We're waiting for them to uh, come up to the podium. Good morning. I'm Major General John Jensen. I'm the Adjutant General of the Minnesota Army National Guard, and I've been the Adjutant General since November of 2017. And what I'm going to describe uh, this morning very quickly is the actions of the Minnesota National Guard since we were mobilized under the Governor Walz's executive order. Like many Minnesotans, I woke up yesterday morning to the news that the Minneapolis mayor had requested National Guard support. The only difference was uh, I opened up my phone and there was a text from Commissioner Harrington. It wasn't the newspaper or the morning news that notified me of that. So immediately yesterday morning, made contact with the commissioner and we began planning on the potential employment of the Minnesota National Guard in support of Minneapolis. For those of you that may not understand how emergency management works in Minnesota, I'm just going to take a quick moment and explain that. In Minnesota, county emergency management coordinators or the mayors of Minneapolis, St. Paul, Rochester, and Duluth may request National Guard support to the state EOC. So in accordance with that, Minneapolis Mayor, Mayor Fry, made that request of the Minnesota National Guard. What traditionally comes with the request, though, is a layout of capability needed and exactly the problem that's trying to be solved. Typically, the request for the Guard and that type of information come at the same time. Sometimes it lags. So when it lags, we, what we do is we begin preparing for an unknown mission. But in this case, we sort of knew what we might be doing as it related uh, to civil disturbance in Minneapolis. But it's very important that we know exactly what we're being asked to do, so we make sure that we have the right equipment. We mobilize the right number of soldiers and the right number of soldiers and airmen to support those soldiers that are going to conduct the mission. That element was lacking. But with the governor's decision to allow me to continue to plan, we began notifying soldiers early yesterday morning of a pending mission. Once we notified our soldiers, again with the governor's verbal approval, we began mustering our soldiers and moving, in, moving them into the metro area, knowing that the most likely probability, probability of employment was going to be Minneapolis. 
As we, as we met as a senior team yesterday afternoon, the one topic that continued to be discussed was the lack of clarity and the lack of a mission and a description of what exactly the Minnesota National Guard needed to do. My concern to the governor was, was twofold. One, I didn't know what special equipment I might need to accomplish the mission. And two, I was very concerned about being asked to move to an unfamiliar area of Minneapolis under the cover of darkness. I wanted to get out when it was still daylight where my soldiers and my airmen could become familiar with their terrain and familiar with their mission. We never got such mission assignment. We never got such mission description. Yesterday, we performed four missions in support of the governor's executive order. The first mission came from the governor directly. That came when we were notified of a, an immediate and pending threat to the state capitol. My immediate advice to the governor was to assign that mission to the Minnesota National Guard. Again, that was the um, the head of the Minnesota National Guard just giving us a, a briefing of uh, their assignment here in Minneapolis, according to the governor's executive orders. Um, if there's anything else we need to pass along to you, we will do so. But I believe when we come back, we're going to be talking to Channel 5 producer Tim Burns um, and get his perspective on uh, what's been going on in the Twin Cities when we come right back.